In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The lessons for the second Sunday in Lent focus on both the faith through which we come to Jesus and the holiness required of those who come to Jesus through faith. In the first century, Jewish people who were religious didn't like the Gentiles. The Gentiles were not a a part of God's people. They were seen as the enemy, both because the Roman occupation, the Roman Gentile occupation was a barrier to Jewish independence, and also because Gentile idolatry was an offense to God. Thus, it is remarkable that Jesus, after a brief encounter with the woman of Canaan in the gospel, not only accepted her, but also identified her as a woman of, quote, mega faith. To be sure, Jesus had already accepted and praised the pious Gentile centurion. But the woman of Canaan was not pious. The woman's daughter was demon-possessed, or at least demon-harassed. We are not told how she fell into this state, but those who end up demonized have been in places they should not be, doing things they should not do. The woman's daughter opened her life in some kind of faith to the forces that bound her, and now the woman turned in faith to Israel's Messiah. The disciples didn't hate this woman, They merely saw her as having no value. Send her away, for she crieth after us. She was, in their minds, already destined by race, affliction, and gender to the wrong side of the great judgment. Three strikes and you're out. Because of her unacceptable condition, this woman is one of the clearest examples in the New Testament of justification by faith. She had no family background, religious works, or attractive appearance by which to curry favor with our Lord. She had only faith, great faith, and that was enough. This is an overarching point of the liturgy. We approach God as those who have sinned in thought, word, and deed, not trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies, not worthy even to gather up the crumbs under thy table. It is possible for the beauty and poetry of the prayer book to betray us here just a bit, for it may be hard to fully embrace our unworthiness when we sound so good confessing it. Nonetheless, the liturgy teaches us that our family pedigree, our fine reputation, our success in the world, our money, and our good looks do not matter to God. The things the world says we must have or pursue do not advance us one step towards the kingdom. In fact, they may keep us from the kingdom, for they may become idols that take the place of God in our lives. That is why we are most likely to hear the good news, the authentic good news, 
when our lives are shaken in some way, when our child is in need, or we are afflicted in some way, when a tsunami destroys a city, or a nuclear reactor begins to melt down, or during the second week of Lent, when the fast, quite far from building spiritual strength, is instead revealing just how weak we really are. Then we begin to realize, as the colleague says, that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves. Then, like the woman of Canaan, we begin to pray from the heart, O Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on me. If you have ever prayed to God in a state of affliction with any persistence, you understand the truth revealed in the gospel. God hears the prayers that spring from humble faith. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. But then what? The epistle says, quote, God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Like the woman of Canaan, we come to Christ in an unclean state. However, God then calls us to be cleansed. The central issue in the epistle is sex. Quote, that you should abstain from fornication. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. The early church called people away from pagan promiscuity into a life of holiness. The modern church, when it speaks with the Holy Spirit, calls people away from the sexual license of our culture into a life of abstinence outside of marriage and faithfulness within it. The teaching wasn't any more popular in the first century than it is now. It isn't popular, but it is essential because the call to holiness is part and parcel of our healing and deliverance. It would have been strange for the woman of Canaan to ask for exorcism and then take her daughter back to the very place where the demon first entered. It would be strange for us to ask for forgiveness for things that we plan to keep on doing. The real problem is human weakness. We have no power of ourselves to help ourselves. We get stuck in patterns of behavior that don't fulfill us, but we can't quite break free from them. We want to be forgiven because we know at some level that they are wrong, but we aren't strong enough to actually change. We have had sexual, quote, freedom in our country for the better part of 50 years now, and people are less fulfilled and contented sexually than ever before. Yet sex is still presented as though it were the ultimate answer to the longings of the human heart. People want more, but settle for less because it is easier to give in to human nature than it is to fight for something higher and better. It might help us if we understood that holiness is synonymous with freedom. To be holy is to be set apart from the world. 
Thus, it is also to be free from the world and its false promises. We are not really free if all we have is some sort of judicial pardon for sin, but are still stuck doing all the things for which we asked God for mercy in the first place. In Lent, we seek not only to be forgiven for our sins by faith, we also seek to gain freedom from sinful patterns of behavior. This takes effort. The purpose of fasting is to challenge our desires in order to bring them under the control of the Holy Spirit. If you find yourself struggling with the fast, that is a good thing. It means that you're fighting a real battle. You are denying yourself, claiming new freedom. And the world, the flesh, and the devil don't like it and are fighting back. They don't want to lose their hold on you. The point in fasting and prayer where we feel weak is the very point where Christ is able to fill the weakness with himself. This is why we must persevere in the struggle for the 40 days of Lent. We will stumble and fall from time to time, but if we are to make progress, we must continue to get up and resume the battle. Some of our besetting sins are only overcome by a commitment to fasting and prayer over time. Today's gospel teaches us that if we persevere, God will answer our prayer. He will, give us, he will give us both forgiveness and freedom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.